How many of you are ready for the manifestations of the Spirit of God? I mean, we preach about it, we talk about it, we read about it. But how many of you are ready to see it firsthand? Some of us have seen some things already. But you need to get your heart prepared and ready. There's a whole lot more that he's about to do. He's about to do some exceeding great things in this house. Amen. I'm just going to follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. I have something that's on a piece of paper here, but we're just, we're just going to kind of let the flow of the Spirit of God uh, take place and happen. I think some of the greatest messages that I have ever ministered is whenever the Lord has said, Phil, that what you have prepared is good and everything else, but that's not what I want to, you to share tonight. I want you just to open your mouth and let me fill it. And I think some of the greatest messages that I have ever delivered has been at those particular times because we are in total, complete dependence and trusting the Lord to lead us into every word that is spoken. Now, I'm not saying we're going to do all of that tonight because the Lord has given me a verse of scripture uh, to start it off with tonight. But uh, I just want to share with you, you know, there's so many things that the Lord is wanting to do. And, and really, everything is simple. It's not hard. Sometimes we, we as Christians, we make things hard. When in reality, they're, they're really easy. They're simple. Jesus said, preach the simple word of the living God. Keep it simple so that people can understand it, so they can run with it, so that their lives can be touched and ministered to. You all know that if the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, he only comes and he only flows where people allow him to do so. He will not violate your will. He will not keep you from being able to get what it is that you have need of, even though he presents it. We have to create the atmosphere that becomes conducive for him to flow in. That's the one thing that I appreciate about, uh, you know, about the, the different ministers that we were able to be around and get to see and. And, uh, you know, I, I watched Brother Hagen uh, as, as he moved. And now, Brother Hagen spoke like in a monotone voice. He never really elevated his voice. It was always consistently the same. But the one thing that I really appreciated about uh, Brother Hagen was he just would go with the Holy Ghost. He just flowed. There was several services that were in. He never picked up his Bible, but he quoted scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture. I mean, word for word. I followed him. He'd say, this is coming out of such and such. So I turned in my Bible and look at it, look at him, look back at the Bible. And he would just quote it word for word for word for word. Now you can only do that if you have revelation knowledge flowing in this on the inside of you and that you have spent time with the master. Get to know him in such a a personal way. And 
the Holy Spirit wants to do and is in the process of creating something for this house that is going to go far farther than you have ever seen before. I look forward to the day that we do not have to pray for one sick person because everybody in the house is healed. I know pastor looks forward to that. And we can do that. But we have to create the atmosphere that becomes conducive for that. And there are some conditions that the Lord wants us to meet to be able to see that happen in a, in a large measure. And that's what I want to deal with tonight. I want to talk about preparing for Mr. Suddenly. Preparing yourself and myself for Mr. Suddenly to suddenly just start showing up and doing what he does. And that's moving the supernatural. Everywhere Jesus went, he went about doing good. Healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. But God is with us too. And the question is, is are we willing to pay the price and pray the price to see to it that it comes to pass? You know, I need you to survive. God needs you to survive. And not just survive, but survive with the presence of his glory. You know, I've, I've told you several times, but as we were in Catherine Kuhlman's meetings, I, I was just amazed. I was amazed. Not because of the eloquence that was being delivered by her or by Jimmy or, you know, or, or anything that... that Dino Carsonaca as he played his piano underneath the anointing of the living God. But I was amazed by the people. The people came in with such expectancy. Such expectancy. That God just could not resist the fact that he had to do supernatural things. They created the atmosphere that became conducive for that. And you and I have to do the same thing. If we want it, we have to pay the price and pray the price to get to that point in that place to see it come to pass. Now, I'm not just talking about Monday night prayer meeting. I'm talking about praying all the time. Pray without ceasing. You know, and and seeking the Lord. Monday night is an important time to come. I know that. But sometimes there's just things that get in the way or you can't be there because of various reasons. But don't stop praying. Don't stop praying for the pastor. Don't stop stop praying for the apostle. Don't stop praying for the leadership that we'd be in one mind, one accord in this one place carrying out the dictates and the will of the Father. The vision that he has purposed and given And we're headed down a road where we're going to have marvelous wonders and signs. And we need to prepare our hearts for it. We need to welcome the Holy Spirit in such a fashion that he will show up every time. He's he's with you. He's in you. So he shows up, but he wants to be able to be released. He wants hands to be laid on people and they recover. He wants us to cast out devils. 
He wants us to speak with new tongues. He wants us to create the atmosphere that will cause things to transpire and happen in a supernatural way. Now, I know that we all agree to that and everything else, but are we willing to pay the price for that to happen? (coughs) We can only go as far in faith as the church will allow us to go. Now, you can't hinder an individual, but when we come in here in this corporate anointing, we have to be in the flow together. Open up your Bibles, if you would, please, to Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 16. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16. We're going to begin at verse number 13. It says, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples. Notice who he asked. He asked his disciples. A disciple was a disciplined follower. One that uh, Jesus had handpicked and had mentored them. And he's asking them a question. Because he wants to know an answer to this question. And he said to his, uh, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man am? Who am I? Who do they say that I am? And he said, some say thou art John the Baptist. Some Elijah and others, Jeremiah are one of the prophets. Then he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? My question to you tonight and to me tonight is, Who do I say that he is? He should be the bright and morning star. He ought to be the lily of our valley. He ought to be our healer. He ought to be our faith. He ought to be our love. He ought to be our peace. He ought to be our joy. He should be our long-suffering. Everything that we have need of in our life, that's what we should profess that He is so that we can make room for Him to flow in those arenas in our life. If you want the joy of the Lord to be your strength, then you have to do something about it. He said, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Amen. He told us, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Why? Because he is victorious and he's made us to be just like him. And he wants us to acknowledge that. He's asking his disciples, who do you say that I, the son of man, am? Who who am I to you? And Peter comes back and you know the... The the Spirit of God came upon Peter, and Peter came back, and he said, you're the Christ. You know, you're you're the one. Let's let's just read it here. And, And Simon Peter, he answered in verse 16 and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, He said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Blessed are you. Why? For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. 
And I say unto you, or unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, he's not talking about a rock he's standing on. He is talking about something that is deeper and greater than a rock. He's talking about revelation knowledge. He's talking about knowing him. He says, you're getting this from the father who knows me. And because he knows me, now he's revealed to you who I am. And he says, I will build my church. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But I want you to see something here. He didn't say that it wouldn't be attacked. He didn't say that the enemy wouldn't try to bring an onslaught. He didn't say that he wouldn't try to bring confusion. He didn't say he would try to bring, wouldn't try to bring division. He didn't say that he wouldn't try to stop uh, what the enemy was up to, but he was saying that what we had to do is we had to learn to stand on the revelation knowledge that he has given to us so that we can have all that God says we can have. I have every right and you have every right to be healed. Back in uh, last year in, in July, whenever I was acknowledged, or it was in July, I guess, wasn't it, Diane? I've lost track of time. He's been good ever, ever since, before then and ever since then. When they announced and said that I had cancer of the esophagus and everything else, uh, my first response is, that's not my covenant. It's just not my covenant. I have a covenant. I have a covenant with God and I have every right to walk in health. I have every right. To believe that my God is bigger than my circumstance in life. I have to look beyond what I see in the natural, what I'm hearing in the natural, what they're uh, speaking in the natural. And begin to stand upon what I really believe who he is. He's my healer. He's my deliverer. He's my all in all. Even when I make mistakes in life, he is the one that has taken care of all of my sin, past, present, and future. He's a good God. He said, and I will give thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Not of the earth, but of heaven. That requires you and I to, man, to manifest revelation knowledge in who he is and what I possess in him. And I have to take a stand. Where do I stand? We can't be half in the world and half out of the world. Half in the church, half out of the church. We need to come in hook, line, and sinker. He's worth it. The price that he paid for you and for me is sufficient for you and I to enjoy all of the benefits if we dare to believe it. He's ready. He's willing. The question is, is am I ready and am I willing? 
we're headed in, the world is heading into some very turbulent times. The United States of America has shunned the Lord all these years, and because of shunning Him, it's in a mess. It's in a mess. And some of that, may I be so bold to say some of that, is because the church has settled her laurels and intentions and has done nothing about it. And it's time for us to rise up, suit up. Some people have been AOL. Should be AWOL, shouldn't it? AWOL. I'm a military guy. We should know that. Listen, the consequences of flirting with the world and its system are much higher than what it is to serve him with all of your heart. All of your mind, all of your soul, and all of your strength. Everything that you are. The older I'm getting, the more I realize and understand because I'm getting closer to that great and noble day. Either Jesus comes in the clouds of glory and I meet him there, or I go by the way of the grave. And my question is, is that, have I done enough for him to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant? That's all that's really important. Have I done what I'm supposed to do? So that he will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. He has given us the keys of the kingdom. What are the keys? They're whatever it is that you have need of in your life. He has keys for everything. Everything that you need. So if he's given us the keys of the kingdom, we need to learn how to use our keys. But we can't use our keys without revelation knowledge. What good is it? How many of you have keys in your pocket or in your purse? How many of you know where every key goes? Some people do, some people don't. My question is, is why are you carrying the keys that you don't know where they go? That makes absolutely no sense. You have a bundle of keys and you don't know where half of those keys go. God has given us keys to the kingdom of heaven. And those keys unlock the supernatural. You all want the supernatural. You're all believing for the supernatural. But we have to insert the keys. And that's revelation knowledge. So that we can enjoy the full benefits of what it is that God has said that we can have. Can you say amen? Amen. 
I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever thou shalt bind on the earth shall be bound and whatsoever you shall loose on the earth shall be loosed. He said, whatsoever you shall bind on the earth shall be bound. Whatsoever you shall loose on the earth shall be loosed. Whosoever sins you remit are remitted. Whosoever sins you retain are retained. We cannot harbor and hold resentment, bitterness, and all of the other things that the world says that we have the rights to. We don't have the right to stand in any other position than the position that God stands. God doesn't have a a problem with color. He produced all of them himself. He has no problem with it. He doesn't have a problem with male. He doesn't have a problem with female. He has a problem whenever male and female try to hook up with female and female, male and male. He says it in his word. We have to but stand on his word and the, and the stance that we should take is the stance of what God has said. And we find somebody that believes opposite of that. We have to take a stand with God. Thank you for all of your enthusiasm and, and everything else. So he said, whatever we bind is bound. Whatever we loose is loosed. So we have the right to lay claim on whatever it is God says that we have the right to lay our hands upon. And we have the right to take a stand against the enemy who tries to bring all these wiles and all of these different things. You know how Jesus attacked him. He said, it is written. When he was challenged, he said, it is written. You know why he said it is written? Because he knew what his covenant was. He knew who he was. He knew he was sent for a purpose. And that was to produce for mankind the freedom that we can have. And we don't have to settle for anything less than true entitlement. Go with me, if you would, please, to Acts chapter number 1. I just want to give you a few things. Acts chapter 1. I told you one thing. We have to we we have to pull ourselves together to such a a degree and level that we all are thinking the same thing. We're all in the same book. We're on the same page. And we're following together the Holy Spirit who is leading us and guiding us into all truth. That means everybody. He doesn't mean, you know, a third of the congregation to be out of sync and out of sort. He wants us to all be on the same page in the same book, following after the Holy Spirit who brings all the necessary elements That you and I are all desiring to see. I'm convinced. Without a question. The reason I'm standing here before you today. Is because I took a stand. Concerning my physical well-being. I've always been extremely healthy in my life. I've never really been sick or anything else. And. It didn't catch me by surprise. 
I knew it was a trick of the enemy. It was just another one of his attacks to try to bring things to a close earlier. But yet at the same time, no fear was present. God didn't give me a spirit of fear. I refused to operate in fear. He didn't give me a spirit of fear. But he gave me love, power, and a sound mind. Same as he did for you. No different. But it's what we stand on and what we believe. What you truly believe on the inside of who you are and what you possess. You can't live beyond your belief system. How many of you know the world doesn't offer us anything that really produces anything good? But there's everything that God offers. It's good. In the beginning, you can go back in the Word and you can see in the beginning when He created it, he said it was good. When he created man, he said man was very good. And then man messed up. He messed up. And when he messed up, God immediately had another plan. Immediately. Because he wasn't going to let it stay that way. Because they were meant to be here to produce after God's likeness and replenish the earth. Are you in Acts chapter number one? Let's begin at verse number four. He said, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the father, which saith he, you have heard of me. He commanded them. Now. Joseph, you were in the service for a number of years, and you had commanders that were over you. If they gave you instructions and they commanded you to do something, what did you do? You obeyed. Uh, You didn't question it? Not to the point where I didn't obey. (laughs) You might have questioned it within yourself, but you went ahead and did what they told you to do. Regardless of what the command was. And if you did not obey, what would happen to you? Reprimanded and even court-martialed, depending on what it was that they were commanding you to do. Now, Jesus commanded his disciples and he told them to do what? He told them to go into Jerusalem... And to wait until they were empowered by the Holy Ghost. It was not an option. It was not a suggestion. It was a command. So why is it that the church is still fussing and fighting over this baptism in the Holy Ghost? Whenever it's been a command all along. Why did some of us wait for years before we decided to go in? Because we got caught up in the traditions of men. That's good preaching. You ought to be shouting. Jesus commanded them. It was not an option. He said, if you want power, if you want to be able to move the way I move, he said, I'm commanding you to do something. And thank God 
Most of them, well, I, I got to retract that. Most of them didn't go in. But thank God for the ones that took it seriously and did what he asked them to do, commanded them to do. And because of that, you have the New Testament church today. The church that Jesus paid for with his precious blood. And he commanded them to be endued with the power from on high. He said, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And when therefore, uh, when they therefore were come together, they asked him saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? It was on their mind. And so they just asked him. Now listen to what his response is. And he said unto them, it is not for you to know. It is not for you to know the times and the seasons. He says, which the Father hath put in his own power. But you shall receive power after. You shall receive power after. That the Holy Ghost is come upon you and you shall be witnesses Unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. He said, you shall receive power, which tells me that they were not operating in power at the time. Except when Jesus gave them permission to operate in power. But up until then, they had not been endued with power from on high. But he said... You need to get in that upper room in Jerusalem. You need to go and you need to wait. You need to wait. How many of us are willing to wait until we get the answer that we need? You know, if we have services that last over two hours here, some of us would freak out. Brush Arbor days, you know, they, they were in church all day, some all night. The kids just fell asleep, you know, underneath the seats. I never will forget, I was, in, I was in Fort Worth. It was here in Fort Worth. And there was, a, and I was not a Christian. I was just a curious kid. They had a tent revival going on not far from where I lived. And um, it was a black church that had put up a tent and they were having what they called a revival. So there was three of us guys, uh, the three guys in junior high that I ran around with. And uh, we decided that we were going to sneak underneath the tent and get up on the back podium things that they had, stands that they had inside there, and just sit and watch. And we, I mean, to our amazement, I mean, they had sawdust on the floor. They had uh, uh, hay bales all stacked up for altar and everything else. And we got in there and they were singing, they were shouting, they were hooping, and they were hollering. This is about 10 o'clock at night. 
You know, and we're supposed to be home, but we're not home. And we sneak underneath the tent, and, and uh, I just never will forget it. I mean, there was probably about 100 people in that tent. And three white boys sitting on the back, <laughs> up on the very, very top, you know, looking down, seeing what was going on. And they were shouting. They were running up and down the aisles that had been created. They were rolling in the hay. You know, I found out about holy rollers later on. Those were true holy rollers. (laughs) Anyway, they were doing, speaking in a language that I did not understand. Hollering, the the band was playing super loud. The preacher was screaming at the top of his lungs. And the people were shaking, shimmering, I mean, falling on the floor, falling out, uh, you know, around the the chairs and stuff that they had. And then the, the big bleacher thing that was in the back, people were falling over in the bleacher. And I turned to the guys and I said, look, I don't know what's going on here. We don't go to church. I have no idea. I don't know what kind of church this is, but these people are nuts. They are nuts. We better get out of here before we get infected with something. (laughs) Who knows? That might be one of the things that drew me later on in life to know Jesus Christ is my personal Savior and then get filled with the Holy Ghost. But they were pulling out all the stops. I don't know how many people got healed or anything else that we didn't stay there long enough to find out. But I know that the Lord is up to something really mighty and great right now. And especially in this church. You can feel it in the atmosphere. The praise and worship is going to higher levels. The pastor is is preaching and stepping up into a different uh, mantle and anointing. Upon his life and in uh, Pastor Annette and Pastor Justin. And so he said, I command you to do this. I'm telling you, as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, I give you a command. If you've not been, re- been filled with the Holy Ghost yet, you need to quit playing around. You need to get filled with the Holy Ghost. You need to get serious about this because it's in the Bible. If you want power and you want to see the results of what power can do, then you need to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. Go with me if you would a little bit further over to verse number 14. So obedience, as Joseph just said just a few moments ago, is a step that we need to just settle the issue in our heart. If God says jump, we jump. If he says lift up holy hands in the sanctuary, lift up holy hands. If he says shout, then shout. If he says to dance, dance. I mean, you know, the music team is up here every Sunday and they see what you're doing. Yes. 
They're seeing what I'm doing. I can't do what I used to do the way I used to do it. But I'm doing the best that I know how to do right now. I'm still shuffling my feet a little bit. I'm, I'm trying. I try to jump. Sometimes it's just like that. I still sometimes in the bathroom, you know, look at myself, talk to myself and say, Phil, you're the healed, you're the well, you're the blessed. You're blessed coming in, you're blessed going out. Command your body. So I command my body. And I tell myself, you need to be doing such and such. And it, it seems like, you know, I, I get a little bit of it. But sometimes I want to dance a jig and it just seems like my legs don't want to dance. Don't look at me so funny. I mean, he's told us. He's told us what to do. He's told us. Anyway, the, the music team looks out here, and I'm sure that sometimes they look right beyond your head because they don't see anything that you're doing, and they're looking for some encouragement. It's time to sing, and some people just stand. Like a wooden Indian. Just in place. Lift your hands. Anything that said half mask is dead. Thank you for all the encouragement. Pastor, you can straighten all this out later. He said, lift up holy hands. Get your hands up. Amen. Shout unto God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He's wonderful. He's marvelous. He's magnificent. <laughs> just a little rabbit trail. Can I? Can I go just a little rabbit trail? Before my mother, my stepmother, my real mother passed away whenever I was 15. But my stepmother was such a sweet woman. She became like a mother to me. She treated me like a, you know, a son and, and everything else. And uh, after I grew up and matured, I found out how precious she was. I didn't think so in the beginning. But I didn't have Christ in me either. But especially after I came to know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, uh, I learned to respect and honor my stepmother just as my mother. Anyway, I said that to say this. Diane's mother was elderly and up in age, and my stepmother was elderly and up in age. And they came to visit us in uh, Massachusetts where we were pastoring and uh, they were in the house and we had to be at a certain place at a certain time and we were trying to get the grannies to move in. And how many of you know that sometimes that can be a real challenge? And uh, anyway, 
I'm already out in the car, car's running. Everybody else is out in the car waiting for the grannies. They keep, they postpone, they postpone, they postpone. Finally, I get out of the car. I go, left everybody in the car, go into the the house. And they're standing at the top. We had a two-story house and they're standing at the top of the stairs and they are encouraging one another. And I said, what are y'all doing? And they said, well, I've been telling Vera that she can go ahead and go first because I'm slower. And Vera keeps, that's Diane's mother, Vera keeps telling Darlene, who is my stepmother, she said, no, you can go first because I know that I'm going to be slower than you. So they are talking back and forth. I'm walking up the stair, the, the, you know, the stairway coming up, and, and I hear them talking. I get around the corner. I said, one of you, move. <laughs> Out of all due respect and love, move. One of you. Take your foot and put it on that next step. Darlene turns to Vera and says, I think Philip is serious. <laughs> yes, I am. We've got to be somewhere at a specific time. Come on. So they finally get down the stairs, helping one another. I helped them as much as possible. <laughs> we finally get them down to the stairs where we can go out of the garage. We go out of the garage. We get into the car, and I can't remember which one said, but they said, I need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> now, I said, I said all that. I, I said all that to, to say to you, patience is a virtue. I am a pastor, and my patience did not exist anymore. I'm, I'm looking at the steering wheel, and I'm shaking, because we're supposed to be at a certain place at a certain time, and we're not going to get there. And I didn't know what the event was that we were going to, but it was for my 50th birthday, and they were going to surprise me, which they did. But we were not there on time. So you and I, sometimes, I I know the Holy Spirit is very, very sensitive to you and I. But I'm sure that there are points where he might shake a little bit himself. Wondering, when are they going to get it? When are they going to step up? And grab a hold of what I got for them. Verse number 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and, and supplication with the women and, the Mary, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Another one of the things that God wants us to get down into our hearts that prayer is an, an essential part 
of moving in the supernatural. All of the great men of old that you read about had two main qualities in their life. Number one, they were prayer warriors. They spent a lot of time in prayer and preparation before anything that God would have them to do. Number two is their obedience. Their obedience to simply do whatever God told them to do. Without reservation. Just simply, if God said do it, they just did it. And they got the kind of results God wanted them to have because of the obedience of the individuals. But when it comes to church, we're talking about a corporate body. We're talking about the ecclesia. We're talking about us coming together. There is no greater anointing and no greater power than when the ecclesia comes together in one mind, in one accord, in one place. Which takes me to chapter 2 of Acts. It says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with what? One accord in one place. And suddenly, Mr. Suddenly is what I call him. He suddenly shows up. Why? Because they're in one accord, in one place. Now he can do something for everybody. Everybody. Everybody that is in that upper room that day experiences the power of the Holy Ghost. And it says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues or divided tongues, like as of fire, and it set up on each of them. Each of them. So if we get in one mind, one accord, in the same book, on the same pages where our pastor is preaching and ministering to us, and we get in agreement with God, with our pastor, with our apostle, and we begin to function as a one unit, then there is no telling what God will do. If you've got a disease, you've got a sickness or whatever, it's gone. It cannot stay. The anointing destroys the yokes of bondage. Doesn't matter where we've been, what we've been up to, what we've been into, what we've been out of. When we get that close together and connected together, knitted together in the love of God, This church is full of love. There shouldn't be one cross word that we say about one person. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your time. Don't don't give any place to the devil. Well, our personalities don't mesh. We'll change. Did you ever stop to think that you might be the problem? We can't love people in one, in one moment and then talk about them in the next moment. 
in a negative way. We have to love people with a genuine love. The kind of love that Jesus had for everybody. That's the kind of love that we have. It's in us. He gave us all of the fruit of the Spirit, didn't He? Amen. We have it. So we have to become so unified that we, we become so knit together that we refuse to tolerate one thing that the enemy is trying to do. Not one. Not one thing. So we need to be unified. We need to be good prayer warriors, not just on Monday nights, not just on Sundays. We need to be in prayer constantly all the time. Believing God for the supernatural. Believing God for your brother and your sister. We should be unified enough so that we can prepare the floor, prepare the house. For Mr. Suddenly to suddenly show up. He wants to. He's getting us ready. And we're going to step into that venue. We're going to get what God says. Galatians, if you would please. I'm going to close with this. Galatians chapter 5. Are you getting anything out of this? We're going to start at verse number 16. He said, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He said, if I walk in the Spirit. Now notice who he's talking to. He's talking to the church at Galatia. He's talking to Christians. How many of you know that this Bible is for you? This is a love letter that has been written with you in mind. Jesus Christ gave his life for you. For you. If you would have been the only person on the planet, you still would have crucified him. Oh, no, I wouldn't. Oh, yes, you would. Because he had to go to the cross. He had to go to the cross so that you could have eternal redemption. And thank God he did. And so he said, if you would be led of the Spirit, what does it mean to be led of the Spirit? It means to be so surrendered to the Master himself that you follow after. You know, there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Do you know who that friend is? Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. He's making intercession for you right now. But the Holy Spirit is here on this planet Earth, and He has infilled us 
with the Holy Spirit, we are wall-to-wall Holy Spirit. And He is the one that sticks closer than a brother. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He is always there. When people tell me I don't have a friend in the world, nobody cares about me, nobody loves you, loves me, nobody cares. I tell them, oh, yes, there is. There is someone that loves you with an everlasting love. He gave his life for you, sent the Holy Spirit to come and dwell in you. Whether you have him in you or not is not the point. The point is God did it. He is available. All you've got to do is cry out to the Lord who loves you, and he will take care of you. Because that's the kind of God we serve. That's the kind of Savior that gave his life for you and I. He sent Mr. Suddenly so that Mr. Suddenly could do what he does best. And that's move in the supernatural. And he's ready to do it in a high volume. Right here at Heritage of Faith. In Crowley, Texas. A hot pocket. That God is creating... And the people are responding and we're beginning to develop relationships. We're developing a relationship with the Father. We're developing relationship with the Holy Spirit. And he's about to do some of the greatest things that you've ever seen in your life. Get ready for it. The world is going to go down the tubes. But the church is in her finest hour. And she's going to respond. And we are going to bring back the Lord of glory. The time is short. It's at hand. Can you say amen? Amen. And amen. I want to go ahead and finish reading that last part of it. Because it is important for you and I to grasp the fullness of what he's done. I want to pick it up. Let's see. For the, lust, uh, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if, but if you be led of the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Here's the works of the flesh. Which are manifest, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. And such, he wasn't through. There are many more things, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. 
Now, how many of you know what the kingdom of God is? Please don't take this out of context. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. He's saying if, that, if you're led by the flesh, the flesh takes you out of righteousness, peace, and joy. He's talking to the church. He's not talking to the lost. He's talking to the church. And he said, then he goes on to say, but the fruit of the Spirit, say that's me. That's me. Is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh. Remember Paul said in Galatians 2.20, said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live in the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Did you know that Paul, after he was converted, made some mistakes in his life? Before he was converted, he made mistakes in his life. How many of you know that he got in a, a, a rift with John Mark? Got bitterness and resentment towards John Mark. They just butted heads together. Didn't have the same personalities. I'm sure Paul was a hard man to deal with anyway. Just from his testimony of who he said he was and everything else, what he came out of. He wasn't perfect. He even said, I'm not perfect. He said, this one thing I do though, I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now listen, church, the church is not looking for you to be perfect in the sense of perfection. We're not looking for perfectionism. We're looking for relationship. Relationship with Almighty God will take care of everything else. I want to tell you, you're going to stand before Almighty God. He is the final judge of your life. I'm not going to be standing there with you to give an account. Pastor is not going to stand there with you to give an account. You will be given account for yourself, for Almighty God. So it behooves you and it behooves me to get out of the position of being judge. I'm not your judge. I'm just your fruit inspector. That's all I am. I have the right to look at your fruit. He said, you know them by their fruit. So you know me by my fruit. I know you by your fruit. And that's all I should look for is that love, joy, peace, temperance, meekness, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness. Those are the things that we need to look at so that we can be hooked together and be a one mind, one accord in this place to see Mr. Holy Spirit do what he does best. Amen. Amen. I rest my case. Thank you, Pastor.